0: Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Brought to you by Pixel Cut Labs.
1: Good afternoon, uh, listeners. My name is Robert O'Haver, and with me is the CEO of Roar Internet Marketing, Matt Weber.
0: Hey, Robert, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Just got back from a little... Religious pilgrimage, got three spring training baseball <laughs> games in over the past few days. Nice, nice.
1: Well, today, guys, we are we're switching it up a little bit. We're not bringing in a guest. We're going to be kind of going back to basics. And what do you call it?
0: Search, talk, slam.
1: <laughs> Search, talk, slam. So we're gonna, today we're going to be talking about basically souped nuts. Obviously, we can't cover it all in one hour, but uh, we're going to cover the main important things, I think, that... Uh, every SEO or person, webmaster, uh, needs to know. And if they don't, well, I'm hoping you take notes.
0: We're going to break it down, 15 minutes each, local search, Google Ads, organic search. So if you want to plan out your next 45 minutes, that's how it's going to go down.
1: Very good. And uh, we would like to thank our sponsors, PixelCut Labs and Directive, uh, for sponsoring the show. Without you, uh, there wouldn't be a show, and, and without... The show, there wouldn't be listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah, and without the show and without listeners, there wouldn't be this amazing thing that just came in minutes ago. And I'm talking literally hot off the press here. What's that? From the SEM Rush blog, the top marketing podcast that you should follow. And guess who's on there? Um... <laughs> Search Talk Live. Top organic podcast as reviewed by the SEM Rush blog. Check it out. Coming out today, the SEM Rush blog article listing the top internet marketing podcasts that you should follow and there we are search talk live thank you so much uh sem, S-E-M. rush awesome man thank you appreciate it
1: yeah all right today we're gonna get uh, let's get to it because we do have a lot to cover and i want to there's a lot we there's a lot of rabbit holes we could go down
0: huh. yeah but let's kick off search talk slam okay local search and i want to share a story with you uh, as I mentioned, it was on a religious pilgrimage, uh, going to spring training baseball games over the weekend, looking for a restaurant, got to a restaurant's GMB listing, saw for the first time a button that said, have Google Assistant make the reservation for you. Clicked it. It asked you two questions, how many people in your party, what's your preferred time, what's your backup time, and then you uh, can close out. And then Google Assistant's going to call the restaurant. And it's actually going to make it for you. And then you get a notification back on your phone saying, hey, your reservation is secured. was awesome. And you probably remember about a year and a half ago, two years ago, when this beta first came out. Remember, yeah. everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sounds just like a human being. So it worked flawlessly. And when we get to the restaurant, said to the restaurant owner, you guys get a lot of these things? And he said, oh, yeah, I probably picked up in the past couple weeks. And I said, how do you like them? And he said, they're great because they ask only the questions that are needed so they're more time efficient <laughs> yeah. for the business so then i did a little poking around and i said well how do you get that button on your gmb profile and it looks like the google literature right now is saying you can't right it's up to them it's a beta yeah it's in all 50 states now okay. and it looks like they've been mostly testing it on restaurants but that was the first time i've seen it as a user
1: yeah that's great i mean Android users have this feature, but you're an an Apple user, right? Yes. You did this on your phone? Yeah, and according to the
0: the Google support doc, you shouldn't be able to see it unless you have the Google Assist app. And I don't, and I still saw it. Wow.
1: And you're logged into Google. And I
0: was logged into Google. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's let's dive into it.
0: Alright, let's go a little bit into local search So let's talk about the biggest topic right now In local search, Rob And that is the fading role of citations There was a time When if you were doing local search optimization You might have kicked in 30, 40, maybe even 50% of your time Citation building
1: Yeah uh, You know, I still think it's got its place in the, in, the, in, the, in the instance where You're trying to build credibility For that business as a branding type of citation, but it, for an SEO, uh, it's just not not what it used to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think where it's evolved is really quality over quantity. You know, still a lot of uh, local searches they they put out the report with the number of citations that they've built. Yeah, but really, it's not about quantity anymore. It's about finding the perfect citation that either gives you a good geographic meaning or it gives you a good industry related meaning Mm -hmm. from that. So if if local SEOs aren't doing citation building as much as they were before, talking to a group of people that may be collecting fees for this, what are they replacing it with? What should they be doing more of to rank in that local pack?
1: Uh, Giving more... You're talking about local citations? Yeah, local pack. How do they
0: appear in that local pack if they're doing less local citations?
1: Making sure the NAP is... Blatant on the site, and you know, down the footer on your contact pages, those are really important signals. And obviously, making sure that your GMB is set up correctly. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's a big one. Yeah, I think a lot of people are into the seg- set it and forget it mode, right? And they don't realize how much GMB changes; it evolves.
1: Yeah, quite quite often. Um, I've done a lot lately in the in that GMB. St- side and i've and i've been testing because just recently probably three months ago they did an update and uh the update was quite dramatic i mean it it totally changed its ranking algorithm as far as ranking businesses and through the testing i found that being active on there making sure that you're getting reviews for your business making sure you're responding to reviews making sure that you are filling out all the pertinent information as far as your, obviously your address, your, your categories and topics. Those are a huge portion of it. And then also making sure that, you know, obviously, you know, let's, let me give you an example. Let's say you're an Orlando plumber and you do a specific, let's see, uh, toilet repair or something like that. that's <laughs> a bad example, but but um make sure that you use those custom categories cuz obviously there isn't a category for t- fixing toilets. So you go in the c- custom category section, you make sure that you have, you know, make sure you've done your keyword research and you know what people are looking for for that particular niche niche. Um and make sure you put a good description detailing you know, and and talking about the toilet repair and what kind of work you do. Uh, if you have multiple categories, make sure you fill it out completely.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, you said something that I think a lot of people trip over, and that is the review portion of it. Because if you look at the literature, I think the Google support documentation is pretty clear. They actually do use the word review diversity. Yeah. And so the people who are doing any kind of review gating or only soliciting reviews from – positive satisfied customers and they may sit back and say well look I've got 55 star reviews why aren't I ranking higher review diversity is one of the signals
1: sure i mean if you if you got 100 reviews and they're all five star some don't seem right
0: <laughs> yes
1: and then they're and they don't have any comments in them you know that's it's kind of obvious stuff but most importantly i've seen with this new algorithm for for uh the three pack is making sure that you respond to them. Even if they say, "Oh, I love your business. It's great." Give them a thank you. Give them, you know, don't make it automated where it's it's the same answer for every person. Change it up and make sure it's it's unique to each response. Um and then if the negative ones, respond to them. Oh, you know, I'm sorry this happened to you. Whatever, whatever. Call our customer service number, take it offline, get them to call you. And they could possibly turn that into a positive.
0: Yeah, you're so right. Because when we talk about reviews, yes, there's the ranking part of the conversation. They're part of the algorithm. But a larger picture of the reviews for most businesses, it's how they communicate their commitment to customer service. Right. Right. It's the clothing that they're dressing their customer service image around. If customers go to these reviews and they see nothing answered, they're going to walk away and they're going to say, hey, these are people that just don't care about customers.
1: Yeah. It's extremely important. And I've seen just by doing those steps, I've seen my clients go up to the top in the top spot of the top three positions. And you, I mean, for SEO, especially SEO being as hard as it is nowadays, um, being pushed down because of ads in the three pack. If you're if you're going up against big companies and you can't rank very well, maybe you're in the top Five and you can't get any higher get your gmb listing going I yeah mean,
0: there's a little more fluidity i think in the local pack rankings than sure. there is in organic rankings sure and now you talked about making sure you're maximizing all the functionality inside the gmb posts so many people not doing the google my business posts and yet they're walking away from free digital real estate
1: yeah i think the turnoff is because they don't they're temporary they don't last <laughs> um I personally haven't put a lot toward that. I've put some posts in there, but, uh, you know, they're gone after so long.
0: We do see a lift. Uh, Google's got a big, um, on their support document today, how to use posts for the coronavirus issue, right? Mm -hmm. So they're they're advocating if your business is influenced by coronavirus, your hours have changed, any type of your methodology has changed, use Google My Business Post to communicate that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good piece of advice. Those things get a lot of eyeballs. I think the other reason why some people overlook them is because they've kind of moved around a little bit on the layout of the profile as Google tests where they appear. Yeah. And there's now different types of posts that last a little bit longer than seven days. So, you know, I'm a big believer in if somebody gives you free, valuable digital real estate, you ought to take it and use it.
1: Yeah, but I think a lot of businesses too have, unless you have a a company like yours, an agency, some of them don't have the resources to pop that out you know yeah you know but uh definitely if you've got the resources
0: to write the content definitely but now it becomes part of your social media plan because some of those posting tools now post to gmb which you know you could turn the clock back two years ago none of them posted to gmb and now you can set that up and use your content that you're creating for your other social media outlets adjust that a little bit and automatically post it to gmb
1: nice and and that's another signal to show that you're active in In the industry.
0: That's a big one. Yeah.
1: And you said also people are putting up the GMB websites, even though they have websites too?
0: Yeah. So let's talk about a couple interesting things that people are testing right now in local search. And one of the fascinating tests that we're doing and that I see a couple other people doing is go ahead and fire up that GMB website, even though you have a regular website, put it up there. All right. Because the theory is that that website is a trusted signal because it's Google, right? It's GMB. And it's using the information that you've already populated into GMB. So what's, what's the value of that? If it occupies even a little bit of the shelf space, you win because it's free, right? What we found is that it doesn't get a lot of clicks itself, but the minute we put it live, we saw a lift in not only our local traffic, but we saw a little bit of lift in organic as well. Now, we're, nice. we're in the early stages of that test. And we're following it through, but I know other people out there are doing that same test.
1: So educate me on this. How does it work as far as, you know, how it has clicked to the website button? Yeah. Is there two now, or what is that? How does that work?
0: It would. You can designate that to still go to your regular website on your GMB profile, because okay. you're going to put that URL in there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, speaking of that, though, we want to get back to testing. Yeah. Uh, how How can people know that this whole local search effort is worth it?
1: Um try it (laughs) no um you know there's some there's a one other thing i didn't mention i didn't want to mention when you do the custom categories if it links to a page that has the same title um like uh, for instance i was saying uh toilet repair orlando or something um obviously you don't want to use that you can but (laughs) but um toilet repair is a bad example but uh, let let's let's say personal injury lawyer let 's say that so if your your webs the page the landing page that lands on that for that category it talks about if you're putting um, personal injury lawyer as the same type of title maybe with the local citation it ranks the that listing because it's it's looking through your site you know
0: yeah it 's trying to connect the dots correct Right. So
1: it gives you more, um, what am I looking for?
0: So consistency, alignment, everything yeah, exactly. should be aligned. Right. You know? But in terms of tracking local search, knowing that all this work, which to a lot of people sound, looks like busy work, I think sometimes local search comes off as busy work sometimes, is it right. worthwhile if you're not using UTM tracking parameters in your URL and local search? You got to start it. and You got to start it tomorrow, to. yeah. right? It's it's, it's, it's non negotiable on there. It's the only way that you can prove to yourself, prove to your client that this worth is bringing back value.
1: And not not only just UTM's, but tracking phone numbers. Yes, use those because you can break that down to specifics to what you know. Obviously, you want to track your marketing. So, <laughs> using the UTM and the phone number is is super important. And yeah. even, like, I just implemented CallRail on, on a website. Um, they have, we're using the dynamic phone number. So even if they clicked on the website from GMB, that GMB phone number shows up on the website. Yes. So it attributes, it's the first attribute. Yes. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, totally. Now, we're tracking this, the UTM codes. The next step for folks who are getting a little bit deeper into local search, is to do some tests. And we talked about one, the GMB website. Another interesting test that folks are doing out there is instead of putting the home page in the URL of the profile, putting on a page where the physical address is present on the page in more than the footer. Oh, of course. So take your conventional website, the address is in the footer, but maybe the contact page has the address as a text block, and putting that... As the URL rather than the home page. Yep. So the bot connects the physical geographic signal on that page yep. with and the GMB listing. Correct.
1: And if you have a list of your your specific services on that page, helps big time. Right. So so like if you're having a if you have a list of ten different categories on your G M B and it's on that contact page, it, it obviously it gives a good direction for the the user, but it also tells GMB that oh, okay. These are tied together.
0: Yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole when the whole thing's aligned, it works really well. So Correct. if your categories chosen, your GMB are kind of aligned with maybe the top level navigation text links mm-hmm. on the site as service pages, yep. and those service pages each have their own URLs that kind of match the words in that category description. That's great. And if those same uh, things are on your contact page where the physical address is, that can be a benefit in sure. some in certain circumstances. So testing different pages in that url of your gmb profile mm-hmm. don't just assume that the home page is going to work best test out different pages on that
1: yep and if you if you're a small business and you you don't have an seo i would recommend and you don't have a gmb uh account i would set one up it, it is free traffic um it's a little work in the beginning but once you've nailed it uh Wouldn't you say it's uh, worth it? (laughs) Oh, no
0: question. You know, I'd say in our agency, home services, medical, for those categories, local search is the most positive ROI of any channel that we do for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the one they would get rid of last.
1: It's very cost effective, too. (laughs) Yeah, and
0: and, uh, we're doing a little bit better job, and we're trying to get better at this, is trying to track lead-to-sale conversion via channel. And the early data that we're getting, and it's certainly incomplete, and we've got to get better at this, and we've got a great idea we're working on, is that the leads generated from local have a higher closing ratio lead-to-sale mm-hmm. than leads generated from other channels. Yep. I think consumers just look at that local pack as something genuine, authentic. They know mm-hmm. it's not an ad. And I think there's just that draws some kind of particular type of consumers in.
1: It's good credibility. I mean, if you're doing everything we've mentioned, you know, you're getting your reviews, you're responding to your reviews. Believe it or not, I mean, reviews are huge. I mean, if if you're not like just like Matt said, if you're not responding to those things, regardless, good or bad, they look at that. They when they see you're writing stuff, they're going to know that you care and you're 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 about your customers. Or your clients.
0: Yeah, and I think the hours signal is kind of the same sure. one. So make sure your hours are in there. Any special type of hours can be input. I think a lot of people don't click to that next section of hours, custom hours, or I think it's called special hours. Mm-hmm. So right now you can put in all of your holiday hours for all of 2020, and you should put them in there right yeah. now. And I, and I think that's a little bit of a, a signal. Mm-hmm. There was a time when Google was putting kind of a scarlet letter warning on GMBs where they didn't update the hours and it would say, not verified by business. Right. And they haven't been doing that as much lately, but I see them coming back and and doing that because they really want local business owners to update the hours and show accurate hours. Right. So what's next? Well, on this, we've got one big thing to talk about next, and that is if we're not doing as much citations as we're, I know here at Roar, we're spending more time trying to get bad guys out of the local pack. So try oh, to yeah. you're the violators. Because if you think about it, it's pretty valuable inventory, right? You got three shots mm-hmm. to show up and you got a bad guy taking one, maybe sometimes two of those three legitimate openings that your client needs to get into. Yep. You got to work on getting some of those bad guys out.
1: Yeah. What do you, you know? Honestly, what is your suggestion on that? Because I, I've had, I do, I call it sniping. You know, one of the first things I do with a client is I'll go through and see what their listings, what are coming up, look at their, you know, competitive analysis, looking at their GMB first and foremost. And, you know, there's so many times that people just keyword stuff, the titles, you know, they might have one review by, you know, their brother (laughs) or something like that, Um and getting rid of those are so important, and 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 as, make sure you're familiarize yourself with the Google guidelines. Is a keyword stuffing in a in a the listing, the title in the GMB listing is supposed to be the business name. Yeah, and that's, that's it.
0: That's the number one violation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the number one violation is people misusing the business name, like calling themselves. Let's just say hypothetically, Tampa Pest Control. Right. But the name of the business is actually Ed's Pest Company. Right. And that is so much more frequent that we see. And then we see businesses creating duplicate or ghost Mm -hmm. GMB listings because they're trying to get more of this shelf space. And it's a tough thing to do because there's no – you can't go to Google and say, show me all of the bad guy GMB listings. (laughs) <laughs> you kind of have to do search after search after search. Yeah. Then you got to trap them. You got to screenshot them, and then you got to report them to Google. And we keep a spreadsheet. We keep a spreadsheet that says reported it on this day. We follow it up on this day, and yeah. we have a, a prescribed number of days that goes by before we follow it up on it again, and we report that to the client. But that is pure elbow grease. There's no automated way to do that. No,
1: no. The other advantage you do have against those if they're just Keyword stuffing. If you're doing the reviews, if you're you know you're you're filling out all the category information, the date, the time, the obviously the address, the area served, all those things. If you're doing that, the chances are the guy that's that's trying to snipe or take the sp- the first spot from you is not doing those things. So he's not following up on his reviews and all that stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. And so we find a lot of situations where it's a ghost GMB. They've put up this two-page three-page website super select to kind of match the business name but when you call the number on the website it goes to a business with a different name and that's sometimes the only way that you can find out that it's uh, a bad guy wow so let's get the bad guys out of there yeah and create more opportunities for us good guys absolutely all right that is search slam section number one local search are you ready to go to search slam section number two i am all right, it's Google Ads. Man, there is so much going on in Google Ads. Yeah, didn't, didn't you mention last week there was a, an update or something? Well, for, for Google partners, the 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 Internet, I hate to use this phrase, you know, the Internet is blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the forums, let's be that way, let's go that way. The forums are blowing up over Google's new rules to be a Google partner, and one of those is that you have to have, certifications two times the number of certifications i believe for every user in the accounts that's hooked to your mcc which that in and of itself is a nightmare for agencies but here's the one that's super interesting is they're now going to grade you you as a partner on the use of their recommendations wow yeah so they're going to look at do you even open the recommendations tab and i'm going to be honest with you here i don't always and then do you imp- implement them? And the first iteration of this new Google partner document uh, said there was going to be an actual metric that said, hey, that you, they, you were expected to use 70% or 80% of their recommendations. What? Yes. You know, and, and here's a couple instances why that's – love you, Google, by, by why that's, <laughs> that's crazy. So I've got a uh, – and you work a lot in the law space too, yeah. right? So I've got uh, an attorney that does immigration law. And um, I've got another tr- client that does timeshare law. Mm-hmm. And in the timeshare law account, one of the recommendations is use the pricing extension. Now, I am not going to my client right. and saying, hey, we need to post the prices for your services as this extension in order to take advantage of one of Google's recommendations. No way. No, you can't use pricing for every business. You can't use a price extension for every business. No. And then, of the course, what's one of their most common recommendations? Increase the budget. Oh yeah, yeah. You have missed blank amount of shares. Da 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 da. So increase the budget to this. Well, we're not going to go to our client and say, "Hey, appreciate you the fact you gave us a budget, but we need to increase it because <laughs> Google recommended that we do that." Yeah. But what we got to talk about with Google Ads in this search slam is the automation, the AI, mm-hmm. because it's really hard now to run a Google Ads campaign manually because all the defaults now are set up to invoke some level of the algorithm in the AI. So what what's your thought on it? Where's where do you land on obviously Google knows more about how people search than anybody. So you have to give their data some level of presumption.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm old school when it comes to that. I'm I'm manual. I I, I wanna do it manually. I mean there automation in places like shutting down on budgets or pausing campaigns, I like that. Um, I use that quite a bit. Um, but I'm 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 hands
0: on. <laughs> yeah, but you know when you're doing an account now, you really have to pay attention because all the defaults are set up for that. And I'll give you an example of where I think they're making a mistake: is the default is for enhanced CPC, which is um, using conversion data to drive where your ad is going to be displayed I take over a lot of accounts and the conversion data is not accurate mm-hmm. so before you activate any bid strategy or automated signal that's based on conversions you, have, you need to be rock solid that whatever you're putting in as conversions are one accurate and two bringing value to your client because if not when you click those buttons you're telling the algorithm go get me more of those mm-hmm. and if you're not absolutely certain they're bringing value it's distorting the entire campaign
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, the suggestions. Most of the time, I ignore them, um, obviously because budgets, and you know what works because you've been testing it, and you've you know especially if you've been running a campaign for a long period of time, you've run all these tests. You know what works. You know what don't. A good example is using uh, uh, one of my clients and lawyer clients. Uh, we used call extensions, where are actually uh, call only ads, where they just click the ad and it calls the phone number. Those, for the longest time, were, they looked like they were going great. But as soon as I plugged in call tracking on it and was able to track that in, turns out a lot of the calls were 30 seconds long or 15 seconds long. And as soon as I switched it back to the website, convergence jumped up. What's so, your
0: theory on why that is?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, looking at the data, it's, a lot of the calls were fake.
0: I'll give you a, a theory. And if anybody else, uh, by the way, you can talk to us live on Twitter right now. But if you have a different theory than I do, throw it out. The landing page quality score of call-only campaigns, I think, is based on parts of the call experience. How long does it take to pick up? What happens when you pick up? So a lot of the phone tree system, voice tree systems, and even some of these call routing systems, there's an electronic signal that is sent when the call is picked up that sometimes the human being doesn't hear, but the bot hears. So the bot can tell the difference between when a human is picking up and says hello right away and when some kind of electronics is picking up. So, the landing page equivalent for call only campaigns is that call experience. And I have had low quality scores for call only campaigns. And when I tested the calls myself, mm-hmm. it is clients that have huge voice tree systems uh, where the automated system picks it up and says, We're IVR. really important. You're really important to us. But hold on for just a minute. And somebody <laughs> will right- I think you get dinged for that. Yeah. That's my theory.
1: This particular client doesn't have an IVR. Um, they. It goes it rings in straight if they put them on hold, obviously, then they have the right uh, the recording, but the um I don't know what it is i mean it it literally some of them I would say a majority of them were less than ten seconds i mean two three rings um so I don't know I don't know if if Google is they're counting calls if they're under ten seconds or or
0: what no they're not. And you can actually adjust that in in the uh, goal setting as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Robert, you've taken over a lot of self-managed accounts. Yep. Let's go through, both of us, four top mistakes that people make in self-managed Google Ads account. What's the biggest mistake that you see someone who's self-managing it, not a professional, does in their Google Ads account?
1: Campaign structure.
0: Campaign structure. I totally agree with that. That would be
1: number one, I would say. Um, not theming out their keywords, matching the keywords to landing pages. They're just kind of throwing them all in a bucket and then <laughs> letting it run. You know what I'm saying?
0: Totally agree. So the ad's not relevant right. to the query because of that. I totally agree. That would have been my number one as well. Sure. Uh, my number two, and I'm a little bit of a stickler for this, I admit, um, lousy ads. Oh, yeah. Just lousy ads. I mean, let's let's face it. Google Ads When you get on that SERP, now it's a bar fight, right? It's your ad against the other two guys, and it's just a bar fight. So who wins? Yes, uh, placement has to do with it, but also quality of ad has to do with it. So you just have to write something engaging, provocative, attention-getting. And if you're not looking at what your competitors are writing before you write your ads, you're just going to show up and you're going to look like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so you're forfeiting that. So my, my big one is poor ads. Yeah.
1: And Google best practices on that is you're supposed to rotate ads. You're supposed to have two to three per ad group, and then rotate those. Like if if the, if two are not performing well, create two more. Yeah. And then run that.
0: It's a pigtail uh, bracket, right? Competition. Correct. So it's you're going to pick the loser, kick out the loser, the winner advances, and then you put in another ad to right. try to beat that winner, and that that competition goes on and on and on.
1: Yeah, and that that has to constantly be done.
0: Yes. Okay, number three, what's your next most common mistake you see in self-managed ad accounts?
1: Um, landing page.
0: Poor landing pages. Yeah,
1: really poor landing pages. Uh, some of them not even relevant to what the ad's about, you know, or if it's not relevant enough. So, I mean, they've got to be paying through the nose for the pay-per-click because the page is not relevant. You know? Right. So it's costing them more than what it would. If it was done professionally.
0: Yeah. You, Google ads, and I love this phrase, it's it's a brain versus brawn medium. Yeah. You know, and so many people go in there with brawn. They got money. Mm-hmm. So they're going to bid. They're going to like, oh, I'm going to beat you because I'm going to bid more than you. But really, if, if you get into it, it's brains. Sure. Right? Using quality score to, to lower your bid. And it also gets you that higher rank. So it's it's a brain medium, not just an outbid the other guy medium.
1: And then even further, I mean, this kind of goes off the beaten path a little bit, but the landing page just not being optimized for conversion. You know, they don't have a form on the page or they don't have their phone number on the page or the, you know, the vital information that needs to be there.
0: Yeah, there's a whole (laughs) pitcher-catcher relationship With Google Ads and websites and landing pages. Like, let's say you're running your Google Ads campaign flawlessly. Yeah. uh, But if your landing page is terrible and your website's terrible, you're not getting the return out of Google Ads. You just can't separate the two. They always have got to be taken together in context. Very much so. All right. My my last one, most common thing that I, and I think somehow, here's my, this will be number four, most common mistake people make in self managed ads is uh, not paying attention to bid adjustments. Yeah. Because every account will eventually display a pattern right and part of what you're trying to do as a google ads manager is detect that pattern and the biggest pattern that evolves most quickly is device yep somebody's going to do better desktop or mobile one or the other and the minute you start detecting that you want more of those Mm -hmm. now here's where some people make mistakes in the bid optimization though they put in this big crazy bid adjustment on mobile like plus 50 percent, because they're thinking hey I'm seeing better responses from mobile. What they may be doing without realizing it is getting fewer mobile clicks because, in essence, they've raised the average bid yeah. so that the daily budget then goes less mm-hmm. because they've got a smaller amount of money to work with because they're averaging the bid. And then they look and they go, well, why did the results go down? Because you've reduced the number of clicks that you want because you raised the price of the clicks. So you really have to be careful with those bid adjustments and know the effect. You've probably gone into account, and they've got a bid adjustment for a device, and they've got a bid adjustment for location, and they've got yeah. a bid adjustment for demographic. By the time you add, layer all that math together, then their cost per click is bid is so high, yeah. they don't have any money left. That's the
1: other thing I meant to – I would say maybe it's a close second, for me anyway, is uh, – Match type. Yeah. Um, Usually, I just throw a bunch of broad match keywords in with those keywords, you know, and they just, you know, they're coming up for everything. Like, let's say a window company. You know, there's Windows 98. There's Windows. Right. You know, they're not blocking any of that stuff. It's just spin, 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 and hope that.
0: Yeah, and right now, you really have to be on your toes. Yeah. Because they've changed how they're defining these match types. Mm -hmm. No longer can you go to bed with an exact match and think, oh, 100% of my queries for this exact match are going to be what that keyword oh, right. is. Yeah. The stuff they're letting through now on these phrase matches, and exact matches, is unbelievable. I
1: mean, almost phrase match and, and broad are just damn near close mm-hmm. to the same thing. Exactly.
0: <laughs> it really is. It is. I, I'm not even sure why to use a broad match anymore with how liberal they're being with the definition of phrase match. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right, guys. we got to take a break. I hope you're uh, getting some good information. And uh, we'll be back right after the break.
2: Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for? We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page-level technical SEO and content recommendations. The Project Planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com slash STL or text STL to 31996.
1: Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Directive is an industry leading search marketing agency fully focused on helping B2B marketing teams increase their results. If you're looking to increase your marketing qualified leads and decrease your cost per acquisition for search engines, I'd highly recommend you take a look at their site. We've actually had their CEO, Garrett Marguth, on the show, and I can honestly say these guys are doing some great stuff. I hear that they even have their own analytics system that lets you correlate your SEO, PPC, or content efforts directly to revenue. If you're a B2B company and thinking about switching agencies, or if you're in-house and need help, I'd give Directive a look. Visit DirectiveConsulting.com or call 949-214-4024. Again, that's 949 214 Four zero two four. Again, that's Directive at DirectiveConsulting.com.
3: Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy. Until now. Smileytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand, memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smileytics. S-M-Y-L-E-lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at Smileytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics, S-M-Y-L-E, lytics, like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com.
0: Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag searchtalklive and your question. Now back to the show.
1: Who influences you, Matt?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would take me a long time to answer. But we're doing Search Slam, and we're going uh, around the world of search. Uh, We did local search, and we're in the midst of Google Ads. And so we were talking about Google Ads, and we just got done a good discussion on the four most common mistakes that we see in self-managed accounts. Now, we can't let the pros off the hook. So, Robert, what are the most common mistake you see in professionally managed Google Ads accounts?
1: Uh, it kind of goes back to our, our last topic, a lot of automation. You know, um, I've worked for some, some big Fortune 500 companies, and I have seen where agencies will kind of set up the campaigns, automate everything, and just let them go,
0: you know. So an over-reliance on uh, the automation, take the check, grab sure. the check.
1: Yep, yep. And because they, you know, the client is not as educated on this stuff as someone like us, they don't question it. You know, they're yeah. And, p-
0: and probably the report's super slick too. Yeah. So you got an agency out there that's not really doing a lot of manual labor. They're trying to get a higher margin on the money that they're bringing in, so they minimize the amount of labor they put into it, generate a super slick report that's probably automated. And a lot of the work on the account is automated and they're trying to just get a higher margin on what they're bringing in.
1: Yeah, you know, and I've seen, because I was going through accounts, just kind of managing the other agencies, things I saw that were on the report were filtered out that they didn't want the client to see. Mm. You know, like coming up for the wrong keywords and that type of stuff. They would filter it out and then, give it to the client
0: oh okay so very rosy picture yeah 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 i'll tell you the thing that i see now and i think what's getting hot and it should be by the way is a greater use of the display network in even smaller search counts because either you're doing retargeting yeah. or you're doing rlsa on branded terms to reduce the cost exposure of branded terms so i think more people are now doing display network okay that's a good thing Sure. But what I see in professionally managed accounts is uh, they are not managing the display accounts well, and I think it's harder to get the reins on a display network campaign than a search campaign, because there is just a black hole of advertising inventory out there, Sure on the, on the Google display network, and man, Google's going to put your ad wherever it can, oh, right yeah. every nook and cranny, and you got to fight. Uh, to make sure that you are getting control over where those ads are displayed because it'll go, and it'll go fast if you're not paying attention to it. So that means putting in exclusions on mobile categories if that's your thing. And you know what? There's no other way around this. You just have to look at the placements, Mm -hmm. and then you have to go back and add those placements when they're not appropriate to your exclusion list.
1: Don't you control some of that with
0: contextual you, placements you can you can put in your own placements if that's a level of targeting right but the minute you choose either a custom intent audience or you choose an in-market audience, oh got you. okay then you know then you're freeing up google to run that ad wherever it is because it's who you get in front of sure not where the ad displays and man it's going to show up in some awfully weird places some places your client probably would not want to have their brand in
1: sure yeah i, I think display is a great alternative for you know my law firm clients or uh you know they've got keywords that you know personal injury lawyer is anywhere from 200 to 450 dollars per click mesophilioma almost a thousand dollars per click so display is a is a great alternative for that
0: yeah if you haven't tried it yet i think take uh maybe 25 percent of your budget Do a display network campaign with a custom intent audience where the custom intent audience is defined by the websites of your competitors. Right. And check it out. So at least what the algorithm is saying, okay, we're going to go find you people who have either visited these websites or who match the characteristics of people who match these websites. In theory, those should be your buyers in theory. So worth trying because, as you mentioned, the cost per click is so much lower than in search now you got the lower conversion rate right right? because they're not actively and maybe the landing page that works for search that works for that prospect who's actively looking isn't the same page that's going to work for these people who aren't actively looking for it that's something you got to think about but i think it's worth testing for most folks
1: yeah i mean it's also a great filter you you retarget them once they land on your site
0: (laughs) yes exactly and then if you are fortunate to have an email list yeah. of your customers that's another great custom intent audience to create that's mm-hmm. got a high match and then create a similar audience to that so you know 2020 don't be advertising to everybody focus 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 target, yes. target 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 on that and make that advertising dollar go further
1: and that's one thing that really needs to be managed quite often because of the, the placements and where they. it go. does
0: yeah I think it takes more time per campaign to manage an active display campaign than it takes to, to manage an active search campaign yeah. Are you ready for the the last part of Search Slam? Yes, sponsored by Directive. That's right. Search Slam, part number three, sponsored by Directive, and this is all about Robert's favorite topic, <laughs> organic search. You know, we got to start with the big question we ask our guests a lot. This question is: Is it really worth it anymore with so many different elements on a search engine results page? I mean. You've seen the studies. The number one click organically is now anywhere from the 15th to, in some cases, the 25th possible click on a SERP. Yeah. Is it still worth it?
1: I would say it's about 60% of the traffic now, as opposed to local, three-pack, and paid. Um, I, It may be a little higher than that. I mean, less than that. But um, the, I think that... The, it is well, 100% worth it because uh, let me give you an example. Um, I have a law client and he ranks in the fourth position on Google. And above him, he's got these really massive directories, you know, best uh, super lawyers, Justina, um, and a few others. So those are really hard to compete against because A, they've got a million links going to each one of those websites so trying to pass those or it'll take a long time to do that so put your listing in those directories you know what I'm saying just yeah, so that you cover he's covering fourth third second and first make sure his GMB I mean this is all part of SEO make sure his GMB is listed and and if he's got a budget make sure he's sitting there and paid too.
0: grab the shelf space
1: you've got it all
0: Get as many of those spots on the SERP as you can.
1: Exactly. You've got the first, the last. You know the you've got the paid. You've got the the, the Google My Business, and you've got the the four below that.
0: Yeah. No. But let's talk about <laughs> the let's talk about the average business owner listening to the show because the reality is organic has become a win or go home activity. Yes. Right. So great article by Backlinko uh, a couple months ago. The number one organic listing gets 37% of the organic clicks. It degrades significantly all the way down. So the second one gets like 17%, and the third one gets yeah. 3%. By the time you get to four, it's almost zero. Yeah. So it's a win or go home. So the, the judgment you have to make with SEO now is, can I get to that top spot? And how do people answer that question? Because – you may be legitimately in a place to say, you know what? I'd love to rank, but the truth is, if I took that same time and effort and money and put it into paid, yeah. where I have more control over it, you might be more profitable in the long run. What's your thought on that? How can someone determine if they can actually win organic?
1: In the long run, I'd say they, I still think it's viable to rank if you're ranking first. I mean, obviously, it, it depends on what you're trying to rank for. Um, I still think
0: SEO's got huge value. But there's no glory in finishing fifth. No. So if you're a business listening to this podcast and you go, you know what, I've done everything really well and I've gone from the number one listing on page two to the bottom listing on page one. Time to celebrate? No.
1: If you're on, no. <laughs> if you're right? on page two, you're, you're, you might as well. That's where right. they hide the bodies. And that's, that's why
0: organic <laughs> is increasingly becoming this win or go home activity. You've got to get to the point where you can rank number one to really realize the potential for SEO. And right. in your situation, you're not going to hop over those directories. No. So you've got to make some assessment as to what's winnable, and not every phrase that you want to compete for is equally winnable. Right. So part of a good SEO strategy, although some people don't want to hear it, is somebody saying, this is winnable, this is not. Sure. And we're going to put our time, attention, and energy on the winnable ones, and I see a lot of people losing a lot of energy trying to rank for what are literally unwinnable phrases.
1: Sure. Yep. And and, and it's you've got to really think out of the box. You've got, well, you know, just like I just used a lawyer, for example. Personal injury lawyer, you, it's almost impossible to rank for it unless you give it a good couple of years and money time <laughs> and, and money. money yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh but maybe car accident lawyer maybe that one's an easy to take yep. uh and gets really good conversions yeah so, I, don't,
0: I don't know that we're still using the phrase long tail because so many search queries are long to begin with sure. now right so i don't know that one is longer than the other but i agree with that let's say more segmented approach and i have the same situation we had a divorce attorney divorce attorney 45 bucks 35 bucks click not going to rank number one for divorce attorney, but we went after uh, parental custody agreement modification. Yep. And bang, we were able to rank relatively quickly for that. The volume's nowhere near divorce attorney. Sure. But the time and effort it took us to get there, super short, yep. and we got a decent return on it. So I'm a big believer, like you are, if you don't know the target, the weapon really doesn't matter, right? right? So you right. got to gotta figure out what's the plan right what are these what queries are people using and who am i going to compete against in those queries so that's going to create a winnable opportunity because if not you'll just lose a lot of time and money
1: you know another thing i've found too is you know say you're trying to go for personal injury lawyer but using blog posts and stuff like that that kind of talk about questions that people ask you know where do i find a good personal injury lawyer or where, you know, the long-tail stuff that you, you may not rank for the, the perfect keyword, but you can get really close with articles that answer the question of the, the person, especially when you're marketing up in schema and stuff.
0: Yeah, so we've preached uh, <clears throat> visiting answerthepublic.com, yeah. which tends to show the queries that are question-based, mm-hmm. and people do go to the web to solve a problem. Yep. And those are the people that you really want, right? I mean, because you've got the people who will search divorce attorney, not one hundred percent sure they're ready to make a purchase, but people who are researching a specific pain point about the process yep. are maybe more likely to engage with an attorney at that point. So look at those longer tail questions and create content that helps people answer those problems. And you'll hear Google say that they're very rarely are they this concise, but helpful, meaningful content ranks.
1: Sure. And one thing I've found when it comes to that, especially with schema markup, is. Instead of creating a huge FAQ page with 15, 20 questions on it, <clears throat> putting one or two questions on a page and then marking that question, Q&A up in schema, uh, now the way Google shows it is they'll show your regular snippet of the page uh, and then put the two questions with a drop box, you know what I'm saying, with an yeah. arrow, and if you drop down and get that answer.
0: Right, but you know the big algorithm update a couple of weeks ago is that it, if you are part of that knowledge panel – you're not going to get an organic listing anymore. right? Yeah, so that's kind of the downer for SEOs. That was a tough one because I'm not sure that the people who are clicking on the knowledge panels recognize the brand that's giving them the answer as well as if they clicked on an organic listing. Now, you used a word that we talk a lot about during the show, and I know it confuses a lot of people, schema. Yes. What is it? Let the people know what is it.
1: It's a a programming language that it's – that it was created by partly created by Google. Um, it is a way to structure data so that Google understands it, and any well, most search engines use it nowadays. Um, so they know where you're located, what your real offering is. And I know you got content on the page, but it's it's indexed in a different way, so that it's it's very structured and gives you it it tells you the relationships between a business and the business is offering and where they're offering at it at
0: yeah it's kind of a classification system right yeah so we you and i look at a five numbers in a zip code and our brain says zip code mm-hmm. instantly a bot comes across those five numbers and it says hey those are five alphanumeric characters yeah it doesn't automatically in all instances know that that's a zip so schema is a tag you put around that numbers to mm-hmm. tell the bot that that is a zip code to make sure that it's consistently interpreted one right way. right so how can people get into schema
1: um a lot of people use plugins i don't personally use plugins i use i either hand code it or i use uh, a company where martha ben burkle was on here uh, schema app um it makes it really easy to have an interface that you build the the schema without having to know how to code just basically fill in the blanks and and uh but it gives you everything that there is to use in schema so you can mark up videos you can mark up um podcasts <laughs> um Q&A so your questions and answers show up now what <clears throat> i was talking about earlier excuse me <clears throat> what i was talking about earlier was not the rich answers box I was talking about down in the serps uh, or down in the you know the search results page um, you can put that q and a right below that that snippet
0: yeah yeah now the the highest level of schema is called business level schema, yeah, and that is the business name, the physical address NAP, the city yeah. the state the the category. Some of the deeper levels that you can get into of schema go all the way down to if you've got a recipe, you can classify ingredients. Reviews, and, you can and mark reviews. depending and, on your business. Yeah, there is an entire library sure. of schema that you ought to look at and see if it's relevant to your business, even parts numbers, uh, for example, for some businesses. But the more you can classify the content on your website to ensure that it's accurately interpreted over and over again helps you rank.
1: Sure. I mean, you can mark up, obviously, mark up images. You can mark up... Uh, videos are a big thing because, obviously, Google cannot index a video. It can index the, the citation around it, um, you know, the title of the video, that type of thing. But you can actually give title, description of what's in the video. You can add all of that as a markup, and it actually will rank your your videos.
0: Yeah. Now, you can do all this great stuff to rank, but if you rank and you don't get the click... The right. business didn't win. Correct. So you got a whole nother battle as part of organic SEO is about getting the click. And some of the things, interesting things that people are experimenting with are the length of titles yeah. that display on the SERP. What's your current practice as far as length of titles?
1: I uh, keep them under 170 uh, for titles. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's description. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, I keep it a, around seventy, so, um, and I've never had a problem. The the key though is, and I see this as a big mistake is people try to keyword stuff and make their their titles super long, or they'll put, you know, if it's a bakery, donuts, cakes, you know, that's yeah, <laughs> right, donuts
0: pipe, cakes right, right. pipe symbol, yeah.
1: It, it needs to be really descriptive, and, and it goes back to you and and AdWords. You know, when you're writing ads for ads, uh, ads, <laughs> you know what I mean, for businesses, yeah. you you want to write it so that people click on it. Yes. There's it, a lot of people really put too much time and effort into it. I mean, as long as it's got relevant to what you're selling or whatever you're offering, and it's it's catchy. That's the important thing.
0: Yeah, so you, you can kind of see a division <clears throat> in SEOs when you look at titles. I mean, there are SEOs who are really good at writing titles from a ranking standpoint. They've got the correct keywords in there. Yeah. But it's not an engaging and enticing right. title, and it's not going to help entice the, the click. And you kind of see the same thing with descriptions. Yeah. Some descriptions are written to rank, and some descriptions are written to get a click. And the best of both worlds is where you get the win.
1: Yeah, and, and the best thing is to go back to understand what Google is looking at as far as ranking what websites are ranking. What do those titles and, and descriptions say? Are they good or are they terrible? But it gives you an idea of where to start. And then use your creativity to write it in a, you know, just like you would an ad. Make yeah. it where people are interested and want to click on it.
0: And that's one of the easier things to start doing in testing because let's say you've got a limited amount of time and a limited amount of budget. And someone no doubt will say, hey, you should start a backlink generation program. Well, backlink generation programs are time expensive. They're yeah. unpredictable. But I can run a test on a title tag, you know, in 15 or 20 sure. minutes mm-hmm. and see if it has any effect on not only the ranking but the click-through rate. Yeah. And it might increase click-through rate, maybe more profitable than jumping up a spot in organic rankings.
1: Yeah. and And you can do that. I mean, not only do you look at the organic r- rankings and what they've written, but look at the ads that come up with it. <laughs> yeah, right you know see what what 's in the top spots, those obviously are getting the clicks and and that's a good way to look,
0: which is another thing that you kind of have to do if you're trying to figure out what 's winnable yeah you've got to use your tool to figure out why is the other guy ranking in front of you mm-hmm. how many ba- what's their back like composition how how many words does their Pages have you've got to understand all of that because ultimately they're not going to stop doing what they're doing yeah. and just let you walk in front of them. Sure, you got to go over them. Yep. So you got to beat them. So without understanding what they're doing well, it's much harder for you to beat them.
1: Yeah, and that takes a good, you know, a good person to analyze the site and the content. Uh, content is a big key part of it. Making sure it's clear and understanding uh, to what you're trying to rank for. Um. To me, and I'm probably going to be shot by some of the industry, but worrying about how many keywords are in content to me is old school. Um, Making sure it's well written and if you're sticking to the topic and you come across as an authority with that content, that will get you ranked.
0: I agree, and I'll even add to that. Let's just not talk about Google for a second. Let's talk about the consumer consumer goes to Google because they have a problem. So they go to your page and what's the first thing they see is they see in most cases, websites that just simply re paraphrase what the problem is, right? They give a yeah. definition to what it is. You haven't helped the user solve the problem with that point. Sure. Cut back on the chest pumping copy on that about how great you are and how long your business has been in place and yep. get right to why should the customer pick you? Yeah. And how are you helping them solve their problem? Absolutely. It's a different way of copywriting now in 2020. Yep.
1: And I've, I've pushed this a lot is not only getting to the point in the first paragraph, first couple of paragraphs, but why should they hire you? Why? What makes you different than your competition? make that known on the website because that'll make a huge
0: difference. Yes. And you're listening to Search Talk Live, recently named one of the most influential internet marketing podcasts to follow by SEM Rush. In this yeah. particular section is brought to you by Directive. Now, you ready for the tough one? Yeah, sure. What tool do you use to try to dissect what your competitors are doing so that you can rank better than them?
1: I've used many tools and I've used them all. Um, I've been sticking with hrefs. hrefs really does, and they're not a sponsor right now, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they, I, I'm just saying this cause it's, it's coming from the heart here. Um, it covers everything, uh, content gaps, link building, uh, it covers, um, it tracks your keywords, uh, rankings. Help me out. There's a whole, what's a, what's a content
0: gap for people that are listening?
1: Content Gap is where you, it's a competitive analysis of your competitors versus you. And you say, okay, well, this person's writing a lot about, um, I don't know, any, any topic, but you're not, you're not writing about this topic, but this one is getting a lot of shares. It's getting a lot of. You know, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's getting conversions. Right. You obviously don't have that data as far as conversions go, but you can have a pretty good idea by looking at the content and where it ranks. Um, Using that tool will give you the opportunity to get ideas for new content, and then you take – obviously, you don't want to copy the person's content. You want to make yours 10x better, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So – That's where that comes into play.
0: I agree. I can remember being nostalgic here for a little bit. When I first got into SEO, we would budget like 40 to 50 hours to do the typical SEO audit that someone paid us for. Now we budget 20, Mm -hmm. and we put out a better product because of these these tools. Mm -hmm. Okay, we cannot leave organic search without talking about the lowest hanging fruit of all to rank better, page speed. Still, the number one nemesis of the average business website is load time. Why do business websites struggle with page speed? It's
1: very technical. Um, You've got to look at server side versus, you know, what's on the pages. You know, uh, for example, let's say you put a YouTube video on and it's loading at four and a half seconds. Well, let's say you change that to an image. Clickable maybe to a modal or whatever, and the load speed drops to two seconds. You know, it's just finding things to fix. Maybe images are way too big; they're they're four megabytes, and they should be three hundred kilobyte. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, looking at that, you know, making sure that you don't have a lot of JavaScript on your site. Maybe combining JavaScript. There's a lot of great tools. There's one tool that I use on all WordPress sites. It's called Rocket. And they're not a sponsor either, but...
0: (laughs) But But boy, they should be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Rocket's really great. It helps you with uh, just about everything. It's it's a Swiss army knife.
0: Well, I think a lot of people who have WordPress sites don't realize how bloated the average WordPress theme is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because think of what a theme's job is in life. A theme's job is to be prepared for anything Mm -hmm. that you're going to attach to it. So it's bloated with all kind of stuff that your website doesn't use. Yeah. So most really good, sophisticated shops are making their own themes, and they're making their own themes because they can get out some of that bloat. Yeah. Now, images, and we've got to wrap it up pretty quickly here, but images, let's give some guidelines for folks. Google says the entire page itself shouldn't be more than one megabyte, two at the worst— so that means your images need to be three hundred, four hundred k, and you can easily find an average business website where they have an, one image by itself yeah. over a megabyte.
1: Yeah, it's usually the the header across the hero the slide, image, the, yeah, right? Banner, slider, or whatever.
0: And how many of them are still using the rotator? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And so that carousel itself is causing the problem because what do people do with those carousels? They put in too many images. Yep. And the research is pretty clear. People barely remember one image, mm-hmm. let alone seven. And you can still find many carousels out there that have like eight, nine, and ten images. Sure. And so all you're doing now is bloating the page because mm-hmm. you're not bringing any value to the user.
1: Yeah, and there's some great tools like GT Metrics. Um, Google has a developer tool to test speeds. Uh, and it breaks down for you on mobile and desktop. And you can, you really, you have to dissect it it It'll tell you you know maybe you've got too many JavaScript files, and, it, and you can you know fix that by combining those files um, images there's oh there's just a host of things I mean it just we could, we could cover here, but um getting your site speed, you want to be under three seconds easily by and that's on the high end to me I mean yep. you, wanna, you really want to be somewhere in between two and three.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if you think about it, it's really one of the few things that Google has spoken about with direct clarity. Yep. I mean, they say page speed is a ranking signal, right? They almost use those words.
1: Especially when it comes to mobile. Yes. Because it's mobile first. Yeah, mobile
0: first, (laughs) get that low-hanging fruit. And it's, I mean, it can,
1: just by moving your site speed down by one second, could, and, and I've seen this time and time again, where your ranking jumps Three, four, five positions just by increasing the speed of your So I mean, that's how important it is.
0: It is. And I, I'm sharing your experience, too. I think it's a low-hanging fruit. A lot of folks haven't done it. So yeah. if you're looking for a quick competitive edge, that's probably the easiest, shortest route to ranking better is increasing your page speed. And
1: if and if you can't speed up the site because maybe it's old, redesign it. Get redesign. a new
0: Get a new site. Yep. Themes have changed a lot, particularly for yeah. WordPress folks. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like we have got to uh, wrap up.
1: Yeah, we are out of time. I'm I, I I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah,
0: this search slam <laughs> has been great, and we'll see what kind of feedback we get on. If you like the show, comment where you're getting your podcast, and maybe we'll make this a regular feature: search slam.
1: Yeah, and share it with your friends that haven't maybe haven't heard the show before. Um, share it on Twitter. We promote it quite often, uh, and please, if you if you like the show, visit our sponsors uh, pixel cut labs, check them out. They, uh, they are doing some really amazing things over there. Uh, check out directive, uh, at directive com, And then obviously pixel cut labs is pixel cut labs.com. Uh, and please, uh, leave us comments on Twitter. You can go to hashtag search talk live.com. Um, Matt, you got a super
0: big shout out to the folks at SEM Rush for naming us one of the most influential online internet marketing podcasts.
1: We'll be sharing that article with you on on Twitter. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks,
0: everybody. Bye. Search Talk Live is brought to you by Pixel Cut Labs, a 2019 U.S. Search Award winning SEO agency. Welcome to page one. If you have a question about today's show or would like to be a sponsor, email robert at searchtalklive.com. That's robert at searchtalklive.com.